If you happen to be out in your garden and you hear a bzzz, 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 let's not do a because you never know. It might be a pollinator and we need to save all of them. They're super important. Right here on the Backyard Gardens podcast, pollination. To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. Welcome to the Backyard Gardens podcast, where we talk about all things gardening and give the information out for you to be successful in your garden, whether it's your first or your last. We are your hosts, Ben, the backyard gardener, and Batavia, the front yard gardener. One in the country. One in the city. Now get ready as we dig deep into this wonderful world of gardening, as we learn to grow and grow for change. So... What is our listener question for the week, Batavia? So we are covering off on how long do plants live? So. Not plants and specifically cucumbers, right? (laughs) All right. Trying that once more. Um, How long life cycle of plants and particularly cucumbers. So we have a listener. I'm going to say her name. Emily, that asked us earlier in the week about a cucumber plant that she has that looks really good and healthy. She pruned it and she commented on our discussions around secession sowing and uh, just inquired if she kept it healthy, will it basically produce for the entire season is the question. And so my answer, because I didn't give her my answer because you had already answered yeah go ahead (laughs) so what was your answer so my answer is um yes if you can keep it healthy it will continue to produce throughout the season so either some disease if you will or cold weather is going to kill it but it's hella hard to keep cucumber plants healthy for many 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 months yeah i mean that was my whole thing when i was talking to her was you know in particular the powdery mildew will generally take care of it but it seems to me like they slow down a lot, no matter what, in producing. Yeah, you know, I um, but I mean, I guess it's I'm going to move myself around. I guess the question becomes how much um, how much is enough? How much is too much powdery mildew? You know, so like at some point, is it sig- signaling to the plant enough? Right. So my let me say this. I've never seen production slow down and my leaves continue to be vibrant. They always, you know, are kind of dry, uh, you know, tattered, you know, um, discolored, you know. So if it's not necessarily powdery mildew, you know, what's the rust that you see on some plants? Um, So it could be any number of those things. Well, you know, my snow peas do the same thing. They start from the bottom and go up. And so that's kind of an issue that I have uh, with that is, you know, as they keep growing and growing and growing, I can always tell like, okay, they're starting to get down because as you go from the base up, they start losing color. They start getting a little powdery mildew and stuff and they just don't produce as well. And cucumbers, you know, I don't know if they're like, I mean, maybe they're technically a determinant. What do you think? I hadn't thought about that. Huh. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it's like a low-key determinant. I don't think that's a such thing, but I like the idea of it. Well, let me let me, let me me rephrase it. It's a determinant producer, but not grower. So, like, because, you know, cucumber plants get big, you know, so to have them, you know, go up and keep growing. But, yeah, they always seem to slow down for me. So, my final answer is... I'm going to give a no. They will not grow for the whole season. I'm going to agree with you. I'm, well, you know, let me say this. If we have in whole season, I'm talking about three, four, five, six months, right? Depending on right. where you are. If you've been able to keep cucumber plants, a single plant throughout from the point of planting it through uh, the cold killing it, let us know because maybe we're missing something. Yeah. I mean, maybe we are, you know, and I think... Okay, I, I have it. I got it figured out. You you start a cucumber seed and you let the cucumber you give each cucumber five feet of space in every direction around it. 
and you go out there every hour on the hour and you just trellis it just like it is and just climb, let it climb and get it just perfect, it might do all year. How do you think that? And you can't water overhead. It can never rain. You have little umbrellas set up over it so there won't be the leaves won't get wet. It has to be 80, keep, 82 degrees or higher Fahrenheit. That's Fahrenheit. Yeah. It can't no be. No less. If you calculate your temperature in Celsius, there's no, I mean, it's just not going to happen for you at all. It's, not, right? it's done. <laughs> and it has to be no less than 72 degrees at night. Mm-hmm, yeah. With 60% humidity. Yeah. And dry. only two to three full moons. Right. Which probably is pretty easy, yeah. Yeah, and then you will have cucumbers all year. But, I mean, seriously, that's a solid question because, you know, I've always wondered that too because I'll grow one four-foot trellis, one four-foot across trellis, and I'll get more cucumbers and I know what to do with off of them. So, and, you know, basically when they start dying out, I'm actually kind of thankful because I'm like, eh, you know, it's kind of getting tired of eating them anyways. And I mean, how many jars of pickles does one really need? I, I think so. I have two more jars from last season. But the thing is, it's, it's, it's similar to tomatoes, right? Like if you have a healthy plant, it's going to produce a lot of tomatoes. But unfortunately, tomatoes are much more versatile compared to cucumbers, right? right? So... Um, right. I am still going to succession, so I think, uh, depending on how space goes in my yeah. garden, because I, I do want them to her point throughout the season, but around, I'm going to say around August for me is when they start to peter out. Yeah. Mine, Late yeah, August, early September. The summer, mm-hmm. When it starts getting real hot is when mine usually die out. Now we are live on Instagram and we did have somebody kind of chime in and say that they were able to get some Japanese longs last year. Or they wimped out, but they had lemon cucumbers that produced all the way through October easily. Oh, so. interesting. Lemon cucumbers, which I grew for the first time either last year or the year before. It feels like that's almost a different beast of a cucumber. Um, everything yeah. from size, obviously, flavor, texture. Um, but I want to know, um, we won't cover this in the, the podcast episode, but I want to know where that person is, like what area, state or zone. I'm curious about what that weather is like. Do you want them to draw you a map? No, I'd like to, to send them to send me a piece of mail from their, you know, their county. A copy of their uh, their we need their plat okay. survey. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna need that, and we're gonna need uh, one of your bills that tells your address, and we're gonna need to see your license, and then we'll know that it's for sure. Yeah, that's um, I had somebody do that to me recently. It was super annoying. I'm like, I don't get any bills in the mail anymore. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. So, so. we do have the answer. Hey, hey, Sacramento. That makes sense to me, though. You know, so am I tracking the same person? Um, I don't know. So if that I person see, is no. in Sacramento, I can see getting cucumbers in October um, because what November is probably just when it's starting to cool off there. If I'm judging about right. And cool off, I mean, like, you, you may be more like in the 70s. Because cucumbers, again, like it hot. So, Do they like it hot? Some like it hot. All right, cool as no. a cucumber, I know. Let's just get past that corniness. I know where you're headed. Oh, I, I wasn't even going to go there. So, you're the one that did that. That's, uh, no. And I don't understand cool as a cucumber either. But, so, um, yeah, I would, you know, again, just to kind of reiterate that it's possible, and I think there may be different varieties too. That's another thing. There could be different varieties, but I mean, by the time I get through the summer, I've got powdery mildew. I've had Japanese beetles. You know, you might have cucumber beetles. I mean, it's like, damn, they take a beat, man. They take a pretty bad beating, you know. Yeah. But They're she- like the uh, the S and M plants of the garden, <laughs> and they love it. She's on <laughs> her way. She's on her way to a good start, though. So she did prune a bit. Mm-hmm. Trying to keep the plant tidy um, because, I mean, come on, the cucumber plant really doesn't need all those leaves to produce. Not all of them. You sure? I'm, I'm positive. 100% positive. Yeah. Usually what I try or what I try to do is clean from the bottom, you know, up maybe two feet. Once they start getting tall, I'll try and clean those up so that air. If you saw my story on Instagram today, it was all about airflow. And it's just that's really important to get through because that'll help you know, cut down the chances of getting that powdery mildew. Yeah. I don't but, have any rhyme or reason as to how I prune. It's kind of like things are getting unruly. So I'll cut just a do branch. Whatever you want. Or if I see something that starts to look unhealthy, I'll start to trim there. So. Yeah. I've tried to top them in order to keep them from going too tall. Mm-hmm. Didn't work. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So they just they just got tall or died. Yeah. So, um, all right, that's the listener question for today. If you're watching us live, thank you so much for joining us, and um, we will be right back after this break to talk about pollination. <laughs> A lot of y'all asked, how can you help support the Backyard Gardens podcast? Well, we have been busy, and we have created. A t-shirt line just for the gardener. To visit our shop, go to the link in the show notes and check out the t-shirts and other goodies we have. Now, these are super special t-shirts designed just for the gardener. So enjoy. Thank you for supporting the Backyard Gardens podcast. And we'll see you guys after the harvest. All right. It's time for the Backyard Gardens podcast fall seed giveaway. To enter, go to BackyardGardensTV.com, enter your email address, and be sure to do that before August the 1st, 2021, when the giveaway closes. Good luck. All right, pollination. So look, look, hold on. I have to make an announcement. Please do. Okay. We are doing our listener questions live on Instagram and in the mix of trying to go live real quick, we forgot to say a couple things and I need to get them off of my chest. Okay. We are selling t-shirts now. Check them out. Link is in in the description. And then we also have an Amazon store set up of all the products that we recommend and we use for different categories and gardening. Check that out. It'll help support the podcast and it won't cost you any extra. If you buy from that that page or whatever, that shop, then it'll help support us. We'll get like a teeny, teeny sliver, no extra cost to you. And we'll keep adding stuff to it. And anytime that we say it links in the show notes, mm-hmm. that's where it's going to be. Mm-hmm. It's going to be in that link. So, cause usually we don't put links for stuff that we don't like. No, you know, I would, I would, th- I would yeah. hope. Yeah. I'm <laughs> very <laughs> deliberate about that. Yeah. 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 And there is no rhyme or reason for when we do the listener questions online. So, um, you're just going to have to catch them when you catch mm-hmm. them. Sorry. We, we can't stick to a schedule, but. And when does this episode air, Batavia? Uh, we are welcome to summer. So we just kicked off the summer checklist and the summer mini-sodes, okay. right? And we just welcomed summer this past weekend. So we are at June 24th for a release on this one. Boom. June 24th, which means you can sign up for our fall seed giveaway. So, uh,. Go to website, backyardgardenstv.com, sign up for the newsletter. You'll be entered into this website and every other one. And while you're there, pick up a t-shirt. So anyways, pollination, what do you got to say about it? I welcome it. Do you? Yeah. I've only ever been stung by, um, I don't know if it was a bee or a wasp, but something with a stinger once in my garden history. I don't know if I've ever been stung even outside of the garden. Um, So I know that many, many things besides bees pollinate. But I said that to say most people, that's what they're running from. And that's where, you know, there's that apprehension. But I welcome it. I'm pretty like stealth when I'm in the garden. So I move around as they swarm, you know, and go from plant to plant and flower to flower. I mean, it's it's there's beauty in the idea of my garden bringing all the pollinators to the yard. <laughs> um, okay, so there is a whole lot of references going on here, and this this show has been reference thick. So, um, because when you were like, um, they were dropping when it's hot, I was like, oh, that's Snoop Dogg. So now we're just going through it. But uh, I'm in such a great just, mood, dude. I, I'm gonna I have to share this before we get to our next monthly update. Uh, so I'll let you know when I'm ready to share. I'll raise my hand. Go ahead. Okay, I was. <laughs> you're raise your hand yes ma'am i was just gonna say i had a mental picture of you floating through the garden just like dodging and weaving and ducking and diving through bugs and stuff but i don't like pollination Mm. it annoys me Mm -hmm. see because it's just it's it's one of those things where it's like you know i had a year one year where i literally didn't have any pollination going on and i had to go out and like hand pollinate all of my cucumbers and stuff and it was awful yeah. So, but then it opened my eyes about changing that. Yeah. So, um, pollination and then pollinators, right? So they're right. It's kind of separate and apart, right? So I have still not yet hand pollinated, and I vow to not hand pollinate this year 
check back in later this summer so I can let you know if I hand pollinate it. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, I'm carefree with it. I guess that's the reason why, and I am nostalgic about, you know, again, bugs and insects and things flying and things that wouldn't normally be in my yard, you know, but I have a garden and they want to come here. Yeah. So I'm nostalgic about that. I, it's one of the stressless things in my garden. I recognize there probably will be a day and we'll cover off on this in a bit where I'm going to see low production. Perhaps some plant isn't going to be pollinated properly and I'll deal with it if it comes up. Yeah. I've been hand pollinating my zucchini mm-hmm. just to make sure, you know what I mean? I don't want to take any chances because I want to get it. But um, without further ado, let's jump into a little bit of this. Um, you know, when, so I have a confession to make when I first heard about pollinators mm-hmm. You know, the first year I had cucumbers and I had no cucumbers. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And then I read like, oh, you don't have any pollination going on. I thought, well, where are the bees at? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It's the end of the world. The bees are dead. Now, look, we all are aware that there is a crisis going on about bees, mm-hmm. right? But they only account for 35% of the pollinators. And we've so, double checked um, that statistic, so... That is, um, let me go ahead and say, that is reported by the United Nations FAO Pollination 2011 on climate change study. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I don't want to be accused of making no woo-woo up, which I've done in the past, like back when I was in high school, I'd be making some (laughs) stuff up and put it on paper, but I wouldn't do it here. I mean, you're like citing um, sources. I love it, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then like, but, but. Apparently, bees are still responsible for 80 to 90 percent of global food, mm-hmm. 70 to 90 percent. So that's that's a little crazy that there's only 35 percent of all pollinators are bees, but they still account for most of our pollination. Yeah, so, I may um, need a minute with that in my head. We should have said this before what? the break so I could calculate that. Like, Oh, there's no calculation. Just go with mm-hmm. it. You can't calculate mm-hmm. that. Okay. I'm going well, you might it. be. You're smarter than I am. Yeah. Well, it's just by a smidge on a late afternoon. But other than yeah. that, <laughs> actually, in so, most mornings, I'm smarter than you. In the afternoons, man, you're the genius. No, you fall apart pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then the question that I had next was, well, how many pollinators are there? This was eye-opening to me. Mm-hmm. Take a guess of how many pollinators are in the world. Um, are we in... Um, it has to be hundreds of thousands. I said to make a guess. Okay, so 690,000. <coughs> no, okay, that's, that's low. That's high. Oh, that's high? 200,000. All right. Well, yeah. I'm not sure I about that never source. Guessed. I would have... I would have never guessed. That is uh, by the NRCS Wildlife Habitat Management Institute. So that's for native total pollinators. quantity or a total unique pollinator? Species. Okay. 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 200,000 different species. Yep. Okay. I'll dig it. So, yeah. And now that includes everything, mm-hmm. not just bugs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's mammals. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go out and pollinate, you become a pollinator. So, you know, well, you're not a pollinator because you can't, no. you haven't pollinated. No. You know? Wait, what are we talking so, about? This is starting to get. Wait, what's happening? I know. Here? <laughs> I'm, I'm correcting course because I was like, wait a second. This is going to get a little. This could get dark uh, quick. <laughs> or it could be a sign of life. Right. <laughs> hey, it could be. You never know. So it's just interesting to think about because, you know, I always thought about bees and I'm, you know, we're all aware of the bee crisis. Mm-hmm. So, um, so let me ask you, do you feel, I feel like a default to fruiting plants, a default question, um, or a default response to issues with fruiting plants is you probably don't have, these things probably aren't being pollinated. You know, so when someone's like, oh, I'm not getting any insert, you know, vegetable. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's a default answer. And I wonder, like, the accuracy in that being the answer versus it's been ingrained in us that I go back to your reference about the bees. So it's kind of like, you know, the hidden message. Yeah. You know, you know what I just realized? Mm-mm. I hate to interrupt you, mm-hmm. but um, I installed that ceiling fan last year that we cheered about mm-hmm. and it's not on and I'm hot. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it because I turned mine on and I said, the hell with the, the sound. They realize it's June. They understand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's 90 degrees outside and it just finished thunderstorm and it's hot. Yeah, cheers. But, We're getting um, to 90 today too. You know, it's it's one of those things where, I mean, you're exactly right though. Um, 
Damn, I just lost my train of thought. Kick me off. Help yeah, me out here. I was just talking about how our <laughs> default response, and it's the... Yes. Okay. Well, that, dang. That's how good I am. It's still almost yeah, warning. Yeah. As soon as you said it, yeah. So, the, the whole thing with that is, and it's a real easy way to test. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now, it's not a quick test, but it's go out and pollinate it and see. Mm-hmm, you know? Become a pollinator. Yeah. And see. And if you get, it, if you get something, then you know, okay, this is the deal. But... I know that that year that I didn't have cucumbers, and this was in New England, I didn't see any bees that year. Mm-hmm. None. And then that's what kind of led me down the rabbit hole of like, okay, there's not just bees that pollinate, it's other things that pollinate. But the bees are the biggest things that I've seen that pollinate. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there is, and we're talking about things that require things that aren't necessarily self-pollinating, right? So yeah. things that require some insect bug person someone's you know paintbrush for the act of pollination to occur and i mean i don't i don't know i don't know if it's just basically where i live i've just been very garden lucky um i can remember maybe once i had poor cucumber performance and this is in my early days of container gardening um and the plant looked bad you know so i just attributed it to that um, so, and I'm just using cucumbers as a reference. I did have some bad luck with a tomato plant once. Um, well, you know, last year I didn't have cucumbers either. And I did not attribute that to pollinators because again, just like you said, mm-hmm. it just, the plant just looked bad, Yeah, yeah. you know? And then whenever I did get a cucumber, I had like pickle worms in it and it was just, you know, it was just one of those, it was, it was destined not to, to fail. <laughs> But, you know, if you're not fruiting, it can be a phosphate issue. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the P and the NPK. Mm-hmm. So that could be a situation, too, because that is what directly is responsible for feeding your plants to make fruits. So that's always something that can be, you know, a, a, that is an issue that you, you could kind of steer in that direction. But both of these methods of either hand pollinating or adding phosphate are going to take time to figure out which we don't have a lot of time not in an individual garden season no no you don't you know you have if you, when you notice that your cucumber is bad you better go start a seed somewhere and get ready to transplant <laughs> it if you have to you know what i mean because that's just that's how it is so well this kind of also goes back to giving your plants the best chance i have some cucumbers that i started inside and cucumber plants i started inside and um, I've planted a couple of them and then some others I still have in their um, nursery pot, you know, six sale or whatever. And they I, I think they got hit by a little bit of low, like the low or the low 40s, high 30s. We had like a temperature dip. And I I think what, what I see is some cold damage. And in my mind, I'm saying, you know what, just toss them. Like, don't worry about planting those because. How many, how many weeks is it going to be before I realize, oh, this plant isn't healthy versus just starting right. a new, right? We're in the heat of summer now. Um, go ahead and drop, especially for something that's fast growing. I, hate, I don't want to focus all of this on cucumbers, but it's like a, such a great example when you're talking about, you know, plants that require pollination. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can go into a number, I mean, like a, my zucchini, for instance, mm-hmm. like that's the most infuriating one in itself because you go out there and you see a zucchini and half of it, it's like, you know, as big as your finger mm-hmm. and half of it's rotted and the other half's not. That means it had bad pollination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and the top, You do you want to know what the top pollinators are? Mm, sure. This is eye opening. Okay. So, I mean, bees, yes. Hummingbirds are one. Um, butterflies, uh-huh, uh-huh. flies, um, beetles, and which means ladybugs, any of that, um, lizards. Specifically, this one is a blue-tailed gecko, but that's like you know Africa, so that's very localized. Uh-huh. And then moths are the big pollinators. So that's that's really eye-opening when you hear that because I mean, how many times did you see a moth in your garden or mm-hmm. something flying around? You're like, what the hell, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And the first thing that you might think is, is that bad? Well, you know how I feel about specifically the cabbage moth, but right, generally. But just in general, like when you see something that's not a butterfly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or a bee, you think, well, 
do I need to get rid of this? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's interesting to think about like that, you know, because we shouldn't. We shouldn't just jump into getting rid of what we see because we don't understand what it is. Yeah, because it could be helping your garden in, in a way you don't right. necessarily understand. Um, and I right. mean, I think just, you know, again, to to get really digging in there, if it's not harming, let it enjoy what you've created. Right. right. You know, so there's a part that we garden for the sheer food, but there's also many of us that garden for, you know, contributing to nature in a different way. And so, right. I mean, the cabbage moth, I'm going to kill at every turn. So obviously I'm not. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no I still and think, you should, though. I still think it's pretty cool uh, when it's flying around things that aren't my brassicas, you know, so. So do you want to know, have you heard about the uh, company that is trying, because, you know, the bees are going extinct mm-hmm. is the common thread. Um, do you know how um, they're trying to overcome this? No, I've not heard. They are trying to create robotic bees that will go out and do it. Um, and they're going to set them free, which sounds like just such a great idea. <laughs> I mean, if you could just please just create some monster and put it out there. I feel like I've heard this, but I just don't know if I heard it like in the real world or if it was a movie. Like this sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's just like they um, down in Key West, they released um, genetically modified mosquitoes that will when they mate with the uh, native mosquitoes they will cause them not to reproduce mm-hmm. which will drastically cut their numbers down mm-hmm. so um but when you introduce a species and even if it's a robotic species or not um look into it and think think about it like this you know look at australia they introduced that uh the toad to Australia. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what toad it is, but whatever it is, it's like a plague. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're everywhere. Nothing. It doesn't have a predator, so nothing will kill it. So it's like taking over. So do we really want to mess with our pollination system like that and introduce something that could really cause a problem? Yeah, but go back to 70 to 90% of our food source. Yeah. So, you know, that's... Hmm. And, well, and the question is, what's there? What's in between? Right. So... Well, what can we do? to kind of help the situation you know what can you do as a gardener what can we do to help it i mean i think the the number one and the easiest is to create environments that um that bees enjoy so are we going to talk about flowers we're gonna talk about a lot of things (laughs) we are i mean because that's the whole idea is you know i feel like as a gardener our job is to kind of help with the situation mm-hmm. because if you look back through history and we'll get to your flowers in a second, but if you look back through history, you know, everything was around growing food. Like we had every single person grew food to feed themselves mm-hmm. back in the day. And then it went away to these factory farms and now it's coming back to where more and more people are, you know, growing food for themselves Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but as we grow food you know there's other there's other lands that are being eaten up and taken away by industrialization that we need to put back you know Mm -hmm. we can't i mean we can't just take knock a building down but you can those wildflowers and all that stuff that's been coming off of those lands we can put back in our lands Mm -hmm. to help out you know what i mean so yeah well i mean i think that there is um I mean, again, I'm going to get, you know, very tree hugging. I said it. Um, you you're expecting something from the garden that you plant. Right. Mm-hmm. And so while you're giving time and money, right, other resources, a part of that is, again, you giving back. Right. So if that means you're planting a few more flowers to bring those pollinators in bees and other then do that right it's for the greater good but it's also for the good of your garden um there is this this there's a tinge of selfishness sometimes that we have as humans we want what we want and we don't want to give anything more to get that right and so this isn't just the big pitch to say flowers this is the big pitch to say like are you really killing the bees that are in your garden um 
quick story. I'm doing sunflowers this year. I skipped them. La- I did like sunflowers in a pot last year and I skipped them because of my um, disdain for my garden squirrels and the way that they, once the sunflowers got big, they would just eat the face of the sunflowers. But I love sunflowers. So I planted them again this year. Two or three years ago when I planted them, I had one sitting in the back by my garage, which is also by my neighbor's garage, right? So what happened? Her and her family were coming in from the garage and bam, bees attack, right? It only takes one, you know, for someone that's afraid of them. And so what am I doing? Am I going to stop planting sunflowers altogether because the bees love them? No, I'm just going to place them somewhere else, right? Small things like I don't put flowers around where my male person has to walk around, right? So there are ways to do a thing to get to that, again, greater good. I know it sounds very... um lifetime movie disney you know land like but that's what it is i don't think it does at all i think it it, um sounds like a thought-provoking thought-inspired well-planned situation where you saw an issue Mm -hmm. you you have an end you you know you want to help a bee you know and you don't want these people to get stung Mm -hmm. so you just work around it Mm -hmm. and i think that's amazing and you know we all need to be like that I mean, I saw, you know, have you ever been at, usually at the end of the year, you go out and you see like a dead bee on a flower. Mm, yeah. Do you know why that is? Um, I, did they freeze? I don't know. Why is that? No. So the bees that you generally see in your garden are not honeybees. Okay. They will be like mason bees or something and they're loners. Okay. They don't live in big hives. So those bees have literally just collected pollen, done whatever they do until they die because they don't have anywhere to live. Mm -hmm. So we need, you know, like you can create a space for them to go live Hmm. and that might, you know, that will help them and help you have a a stronger bee population Mm -hmm. in your garden too. So um, when I, cause I always, I saw it and I thought it was the same thing where they would like freeze to death, but no, they just literally just die. You know, I found one on the porch the other day. He just died. Hmm. And I'm like, damn, man, we got this bee problem and this bee just died. Like straight had a stroke on my porch. You know what I mean? So it's not good. I was just looking at you with me. Yeah, I was just looking at the life cycle, like how long do bees live? What's the what's the final answer? The average lifespan of a bee depends on the hives act the hives activity. When she is born and is 40 days during the acti- active season and five months if born before the season. Um, but I think that kind of goes back to those bees have a place to live, right? They have a hive yeah. that they're going back to. Um, but queen bees, hey, hey, live an average of three years. So there's that. Jerks. <laughs> yeah, we can't have that. Yeah. Oh, one more quick note. Drones live until they mate or for 90 days. I mean, I guess that's probably an exciting life or a pretty sad life. I mean, <laughs> you, either got, you got 90 days or you got, you know, uh-huh. yeah, you, you gonna have to get you some in 90 <laughs> days. Or that's it, boy. No, in yeah, all that- seriousness, I think that um, when we talk about pollination, so when did you, I mean, because you have a science background or a background in science, when did you start paying attention to pollination in your garden? Um, 2009, mm-hmm. 2009-ish. Okay. Yeah. So, and that was just me paying attention. Like I didn't understand it mm-hmm. and I still don't understand it mm-hmm. completely, but you know, over the years, it's just kind of taking more steps, more steps. Mm-hmm. And then when I've gotten to this garden, that's when I was like, okay, this is going to be a longer term garden. Let's make it somewhere where we can definitely get some, you know, bring in the bees, give them somewhere to live. Yeah. You know, um, somebody was saying to me not too long ago, well, why don't you just get like a hive mm-hmm. and collect honey and then you'll be able to raise bees. And I'm like, that's not the bee. I mean, those bees are important, but that's not the ones that, you know, you need to be worried. It's all the other pollinators, mm-hmm. the moths mm-hmm. and all that stuff too. That's really important. Yeah. So, um, you know, and that's the big thing I want about this particular episode is I don't, I mean, I know we talk a lot about bees because they are, you know, the spotlight but that's not all there is for pollination sure, so yeah. 
I think that's important. So we talked about what can a gardener do? Flowers. A gardener can also um, be careful about what they spray um, and, you know, kind yeah. of how they treat issues in their garden. Um, or when they spray. Or take the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> hey, look, I had to steal it from you. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, that's a tag team. Good job. Yeah. Um, tag team. So let's talk about that then. What do you spray? The only thing I'm spraying at this point this year so far is neem oil. Yeah. I spray neem oil and BT. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I, and they're both organic. They're not supposed to hurt the bees, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I don't want to spray the bees. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh wait, no, I and I'm using insect dust on my um I'm using uh I don't know what brand I'm using. It is an organic dust, but I'm using it on my zucchini. Okay, okay. Which is tricky because everything is right next to the flowers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you have to be very careful. Mm-hmm. But um you know, when are the bees active? Morning. Good morning. Yeah. Just like me. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, morning to early afternoon. Mm-hmm. So if you're applying any of this stuff, and I mean, even if you're using a non-organic chemical, um, which I, you know, usually we don't say, we say like, hey, go for it, do what you got to do, mm-hmm. be you. But in this case, I'll say like, be careful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because this is one aspect where like, you don't want to just wipe everything out. You know, there's literally an ecosystem brewing out there. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. just be careful what you put in. And that that could just mean reading the directions. You know, maybe there's something you like to use and it says safe for bees. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a little emblem that says be safe that you can see on products Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So, but um, applying these things late in the evening can help. A lot of times I go out right before sunset. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'll be honest, I typically don't. Um, and that you is. You go out there at like five in the morning to yeah, spray shit down. Wait. Like, get the fuck out of the way, bees. Here I come. <laughs> oh, kind of, sort of. No. And it's, yeah. it's, so I don't, um, where I'm spraying neem oil right now is on covered plants. So if you're inside of there, man, you're, I'm suffocating you. So I have the fabric that I've covered some of my plants with and I'm covering, I'm spraying the, um, the leaves and then I'm covering it back. So the reality is, and these are things that don't need pollination. Um, so leafy greens and things. So I'm trying to minimize kind of bees coming in other, well, I'm, I'll say bees coming in contact with it because other things are able to get inside and and mill about um and the only reason there's no real logic behind it other than i'm at my best in the morning i'm doing most times my garden chores in the morning um so that's it's just convenience to be frank well correct me if i'm wrong um neem oil the point of it is it makes the plant taste bad so that the animals get it leave that's the only like it doesn't kill anything yeah that shit stinks too boy yeah, yeah, you know, I kind of like it a little bit, maybe, but it's not. I mean, it's not terrible. Now that BT stuff I use is oh, kind of yeah, rough, yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, so it doesn't kill on contact, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is important to you know uh, to understand because that's the whole thing behind this is that killing on contact is rough. Yeah, you know that can be a dangerous game, and I mean, you have bees that live underground too. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, bees can live underground, so it's like you, when you put stuff like fertilizers in your garden, in your yard, and stuff like that. You kind of you got to be careful. Or weed killers, and specifically mm-hmm. insect killers. You know, um, my neighbor came to me at one point and was like, "Hey, man, you got bugs that come in your house?" And I mean, you've seen where I live, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Yeah, I got bugs that come in." He's like, "Man, I got this stuff. You just spray it all around your house, and it'll just kill everything that comes in." I'm like, "Well." Is it worth it? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. You know, I'll 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 kill the five or six bugs a week that come in in my house versus every single thing out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's one of those things. Like I made that conscious decision, you know. So if I had a uh, infestation, we might be speaking a different tune, but we don't. Yeah, I mean, there <laughs> definitely is a balance. Um, I'm going to take a quick pause and just tell you that. Um, the cage baby and the three beds inside of the cage baby um and this is completely unrelated to pollination have been mulched and i think i may be in love with leaf mulch i'm just saying it well 
So it's not unrelated to pollination. Can you believe that? Oh, look at that. Of course I can. That, that's my, that was my plan from the beginning. You oh, planned oh, that, right? Oh, 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 yeah. You don't even know what I was going to say. That's beside the point. <laughs> uh, one of my followers on Instagram, we talked a lot uh, over the fall, and they're really big in the pollinators. And I believe I mentioned this on the podcast too, but her thing, and it is a she, so I am correct this time, was to not rake your leaves up so soon mm-hmm. and let them sit. So, cause you know, things live in mm-hmm. the leaves and lay eggs. Mm-hmm. That's the important thing is they lay eggs yeah. in those leaves. So, um, you know, that's it's something that's important to remember too. Like a lot of us are, we're so anxious to go out there and rake leaves. Yeah. Now, that being said, I rake the leaves in my yard because I want to make mulch and you know whatnot so compost yeah i was just cringing because it's like um you know don't rake them so quickly but then it's like and then i'm putting it in some high speed blade to to shred it you know it's like well good luck you know um right but i guess the whole point like the way i look at is like if you have something that doesn't really need to be raked up mm -hmm, maybe you mm -hmm. shouldn't rake it up right away maybe you should just take a break you know yeah, they, who doesn't want to sit back and drink that hot latte in the summer <laughs> in the winter time not the summer good god i had hot coffee this morning and it was a mistake yeah uh, yeah <laughs> um there is the desire for humans to interrupt right you know to right. get on top of it to to do it really quickly you know the desire to have a neat and, and manicured space right um which is a whole different podcast episode so i'm not going to I'm not going to go off that cliff. Um, no, you know what? That's not a podcast episode. I don't want to talk about that shit. Yeah, it's like a, it's a whole series. Is it a different podcast altogether? Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah, that's the lawn podcast that we might not ever make. <laughs> um, Welcome to Backyard Lawns, where we talk about growing grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I can respect the idea of um, don't don't rig it so quickly. But then I have to say, all right, if not so quickly, how how long are we talking? So if yeah. I'm leaving it there and it's still not going to benefit me in the way that it's supposed to, I'm just, you know, leaving it there for, that's the part that always gives me pause. Cause it's like, Oh, don't, don't be so quick to rake them up. And I'm sure I'm hoping that person's listening now. Maybe they can give us a few more details around that or give them again. If they shared them originally with you, um, how long is well, long I mean, enough? So the, f- the first, uh, the last time I really remember it was like real early spring, mm-hmm. you know, about the time people would go out and be like, I got to get my yard mm-hmm, ready, mm-hmm. you know, and the, and the argument was, or maybe it was late winter. I think it was late winter was let it sit there until it gets warm and let these things hatch and get oh, out gotcha. and then gotcha, yep. go out there. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, in all reality, like if you're worried about your grass, like it's not going to kill your grass to let it sit there for a while. You know, it's like your grass is dormant anyways. Yeah. So, and it's the same with, you know, everything else, like, you know, is your flower bed, you know, I mean, if you don't get all the leaves out of it right mm-hmm. away, is there going to be a problem? Like it's the middle of winter, ain't nothing growing nope. in there. Even there so, are a few leaves that are still milling about now. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's, that's the important part. So, you know, and then that goes into, um, you know, like my pollinator garden I made. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, have you? Do you have what you consider a pollinator garden? Um, I do not. Um, I and it's actually a pretty. And why don't you? Because my space is limited, and I have to make tough decisions. Here at Be Better Garden, <laughs> and most times they err on the side of flowers that I love and food that I want to grow. Uh, yeah. So there's some flowers that I love that you know. I mean, sure, things fly around them. But it's not they're not drawn to them like magnets. Um, my question, though, was going to be how close do you know, is this pollinator garden to the place where you're trying to have pollination occur? Mine? Yeah. Eight feet away. Okay. And then in the other by the wild garden, uh, four feet away. Okay. Is that close enough or should I get closer? I have no idea, but it sounds close. It sounds almost perfect. <laughs> it's about as yeah. It's about as close as I can get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's so my pollinator garden I started last year 
And I had this romantic idea that I was going to throw out wildflower seeds and it was just going to be this beautiful little meadow Mm -hmm. and it would just reseed itself every year and it would be gorgeous and everybody would look at it and love it. And then I got one flower. Oh man, I was trying to stop you. I wanted it to be like a hard stop because that was beautiful and romantic and I didn't want you you to ruin it for all of us, but thanks. I ruined it. (laughs) But so then this year happens and I, I just, I... After last year, I was like, you know, I'm just going to throw seeds in there and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And this year, things are starting to come back now. We've got some mysteries. we got some stuff growing. And okay. next year, we'll get more mm-hmm. and more. And then it will eventually just become this wild garden, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wild flower garden. And, you know, th- even though it's not in my garden, it's right next to it. It's just one more place for Mr. B to sit down and take a rest yeah. and have a nibble. Yeah. And then, you know, over by the other garden, I put salvia in. Well, last year I put a salvia plant in and that bitch had no less than 10 bees on there from five o'clock in the morning <laughs> until six o'clock at night every day. And I said, that's it. So I grew a bunch of salvia seeds, which happens to be a very easy perennial flower seed to start yourself. And it reseeds itself and spreads. So I figured, why not? And so we put that out there, you know, and everything that we've kind of grew by seed this year was specifically, and this is for flowers, geared towards attracting pollinators. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and they're, I mean, they're pretty, don't get me wrong, yeah. but they're not the big, beautiful, you know, roses or something like that. I mean, I don't know if bees will eat off of roses or what, whatever, but. I don't know. My neighbor has three different sets of beautiful roses and she's not mentioned bees but they may be over there um there is a comment going back to the leaves um that's connected i think and it's weeds so i like to keep a tidy space so i do typically pull weeds you know there's Mm -hmm. typically i'll do it after the rain because it's easier to pull those weeds Um, but there's some things that i leave because i'm like that looks like a flower Right. You know, and so even things that you would consider a weed, which is just basically something growing that you don't want in that space, that's going to be that's what we're calling a weed. Um, It could still bloom and it could still attract pollinators. Now, I'm not asking you to let your garden go wild and have, you know, all kinds of high things, you know, in your space. But I am saying, uh, again, let's let's not be so quick. I have. um one of my favorites, and there are many of them. I know what you're thinking. I hear you. Um, Snapdragon flowers. I started a bunch of them from seed, and they're Love them. yeah, they're doing really well. This is the second year that I found Snapdragon volunteers in some random place. Last year it was within a crack of the concrete <laughs> for my patio in the backyard. So crack, insert dirt, seed comes around right. It pops up. Now, the other space is the only space along my um, fence line that I haven't weeded yet. And as I was taking out the trash the other day, guess what I see? Snapdragon. Snapdragon. Yeah, yeah. So I know what that flower looks like once it gets to the point of, you know, the bulbs or whatever. Now, do you have pollinators that go into that? I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't know that I haven't I've, seen any I don't know that mine. I've noticed. Um, but again, beautiful. Yeah, I grew mine in memory of my grandfather. That was his favorite. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, my grandmother, she died at 101. She made it 101 mm-hmm. this year by one day. Mm-hmm. And um, she always had this huge can uh, chamomile. Canna lily? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Camellia bush. Okay. At her house. Camellia bush. Okay. So I've been on a hunt trying to find one of those that's affordable. Mm-hmm. Good luck with inflation. <laughs> But, um, you know, that's kind of, you know, it's, it's in my mind, it's precious to have like memories of your family planted sure. out there and stuff. So, yeah, that's the only reason why I, every year I think twice about petunias. And that was one that I'm not even certain that my grandmother never communicated it as her favorite, but she planted them every year. And so yeah. I, you know, I'm, it's not in my top favorite, like personally but i can't let a garden season go without buying petunias because as soon as i see them you know there's that memory and then when you bring it to your own garden that memory is with you daily so it's super duper sweet so all right and then what else so we've talked about how you can help 
how you cannot kill them. Oh, one more note about um, just, again, things you're adding to your garden. A friend told me this and I looked it up and she was spot on. Um, so I have a little um, bird bath in the front yard. So cute. Mm-hmm. And um, she suggested that I put like some type of stone or a larger rock inside of it um, because bees and some other things like we're not talking the birds can get in and out but i actually have found a floating bee you know at least once right so they aren't the best swimmers let's just say and so what ends up happening is it gives them an opportunity to stand on that rock and then you know take a sip yeah exactly so technically what you have now is a butterfly bath that's what those are for. They make like specific butterfly baths, which is nothing, nothing more than an, a bird bath with a rock in it. <laughs> oh, so I've created a butterfly bath. You've created a butterfly bath. It lets them dry their wings too. Yeah. So if you go to, um, oh shit, it's the uh, National Wildlife Conservancy um, website. Mm-hmm. You can actually, if you pay the money get your there's a list of all the requirements you have to have at your house in order to get it um, certified as a conservancy place mm-hmm. and one of them is creating a bird bath and then a butterfly type bath you know and then feeding the birds and stuff like that mm-hmm. so we actually went through everything and then I bought I didn't even make, make a bird bath I put one out there and then um, we didn't get anything any birds come to it mm-hmm. and then we figured out why because we have wetlands around us, mm-hmm. so there's always like a little bit of water. Yeah. And the birds just go out there and naturally and do it. So we can't actually get our yard certified because it already has the stuff on there. But And we didn't create it, so it's kind of messed up. No, that's too bad. I'm watching a bird, not a butterfly, drink out of the fountain right now or the bath. Um, I also noticed that birds um, drink out of my um, garden hose, the spout. I'll walk on the side of the house and they'll be flying away coming just from, cause it drips a little yeah. bit, you know, so, um, you know, we haven't done an episode on birds yet and I would love to do one. I'll think about it. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. It's a, well, it, I, I, I respect that answer because it's kind of tough, you know, it's like, Oh, great. You know, but there's something about birds. I know in COVID, I can't remember the meme I saw, but it was like, um, whatever it was, it was like white people would be all sitting there watching their bird <laughs> bird feeder talking about, well, I got a new bird. And it was just like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a, uh, you, you remember the movie, the bird, it's black and white movie. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude. Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, talk about something that still frightens me. Like something from your childhood that frightens you. So my mom is terrified of birds mm. like hide under the couch screaming oh, and my no. cat used to bring him in alive and drop him <laughs> at her feet <laughs> yeah it was oh, yeah, yeah, it was amazing yeah. Yeah, we had so much fun with that, <laughs> that fear oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. alright look I think um, everybody needs to just take care of their pollinators mm-hmm. I mean come on mm-hmm. and, you know do your part do your part because if you didn't do your part okay if you did not do your part to save the pollinators, then we would not have an opportunity for Batavia to give us the recipe of the day. No pollination, no food. Mm-hmm. Nicely done. All right. What you got? I'm going in. I'm going to get in and get out. So we're going to do a grilled zucchini, but it's just not any old grilled zucchini. It's balsamic grilled zucchini. All right. So I'm going to read from this recipe because that's how I roll. Serving size, let's say four people. We're going to take two nicely sized zucchini, not the huge ones that are, you know, full of seeds that are kind of tough inside. I'll say maybe the size of your hand or a little bit longer. Uh, You're going to quarter those lengthwise, cut it in half, cut each of those halves in half. We're going to take a couple of teaspoons of olive oil, rest of the ingredients, garlic powder, um, Italian seasoning, salt, and then we're going to reserve two tablespoons of balsamic vinegar. All right. So we're grilling. Um, I put together, and I mentioned this last year, this huge gas grill. And I love that it's a gas grill, but I hate that it's huge. But either way, if you're 
fire it up for charcoal, that's fine. I'm going to turn on my gas grill. I'm going to go like a, a medium low on the dial. I'm not going to fire that thing all the way up. Um, I've cut my zucchini. I'm going to brush, which could mean with a brush. It could mean with your hands. It could mean with a paper towel, the olive oil onto the zucchini. I'm going to sprinkle the garlic powder, the Italian seasoning and the salt onto it. So I'm seasoning that up. Uh, the grill is already preheated. Remember we turned it on to medium low. Um, we're going to put that onto the grill and then about two to three minutes. So we don't want this kind of slimy and really, really soft. We still want there to be some firmness to it. Once we've had two to three minutes on each side, I'm going to brush that balsamic vinegar on it. Now this is the key. You got to do this while it's still cooking, right? So we want that balsamic vinegar to kind of be seared into the zucchini and we want the grill to be able to do that. We're only cooking these when we're ready to eat. Don't let this sit on the counter, on your table for hours. Do this just before you eat and uh, let me know what the flavor tastes like. Just a different spin on it. There are a bunch of ways to eat zucchini. I'm not crazy about all of them, but this is one I enjoy. Yeah. You want to hear something funny? No. Okay. You change your mind, Jeff? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that I've been successful with zucchini this year and I've been really? pretty happy about it. Oh, I don't remember you mentioning that. Yeah, well, I've got uh so I've gotten like four or five zucchinis mm-hmm. now and I'm I'm kind of already tired of eating them, so this is gonna be a welcome adjustment. <laughs> you know, oh and the reason why we grow is so um Miss Gardner can put it into uh zucchini bread. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, otherwise, like, it's just, it's one of those things, like, it just gets old, you know, and gets tired. Yeah. Well, it's, it's one of those, um, low flavor vegetables, right? So, yeah. you know, it's, uh, very high in water content, right? Yeah. Um, and you really have to dress it up for it to be really desirable. And that's where it just gets, it can get overly complicated. It could get heavy on the oils, you know? So I think for this one, what do we use? A couple of teaspoons of olive oil, just enough to give it that brown when you put it on the grill. And it's well, playing it around. Well, it on the grill because, I'm sorry, go no, ahead. I was just going to say, then you're playing around with just adding another splash of flavor with the balsamic yeah. vinegar, you know? Yeah, and I mean, when you put on the grill, the water content, it allows it to cook mm-hmm. just right so you can get a little mm-hmm. bit crispy so um yeah i like it on the grill actually yeah. so i did cook on the grill the other day and i was like yeah i'll take it yeah yeah so but if i didn't hand pollinate it then i wouldn't have to worry about it i have a lot of rotten ones yeah. so that is a disappointing sight that's almost as bad as seeing a um tomato that's riding on the bottom blossom in right yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I know that we are supposed to be done with our subject completely, but I forgot one thing Okay. quickly. Um, you know, when you hand pollinate, you can use a, a paintbrush like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. I actually use Q-tips mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because they are, I can go from one plant, you know, s- stay in one species and then go to another species with another side or another Q-tip mm-hmm. and still keep them from cross pollinating with anything if I had to. So excellent point. That, yeah. So um, I, it sucks that it's after, at the end, but you know, <laughs> bonus if you made it this far. <laughs> Welcome so, to the future um, of your garden and hand pollination. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that I don't have to go too deep into it though, <laughs> but I, I'm, I've been getting a kick out of doing it with the zucchini just because it's like, it's a win and yeah. it makes me feel like I'm doing something. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's serving you well. I know this is important to you this year, so. It is. Uh, you know, I'll take a win. Because I've had plenty of losses in my life. This is true. Yeah. And real quick, before we end, we got like a minute left. Um, What the hell, Batavia? Hmm? Oh. What the hell? Yeah, dude. What the hell? And you just can't act like, oh, yeah. And look, I'm, still not, brush it I'm off. still not talking about it. Here we are, a whole other hour. I know. All right. So everyone listening, I shared on Instagram a picture of one of my favorite garden beds, number 15. Of the things I was growing in that bed, celery was included. And I know you're thinking, what the hell? This is the first time I've mentioned celery to any of you. And it seems it's the first time I've mentioned it to my dear friend, young Ben. And for that, I apologize. Yeah, y'all think we talk a lot on the podcast? You ain't seen nothing. Mm-hmm. And she still hadn't told me about it. What the hell? I don't, and, I, need, I don't even feel special this anymore. This wasn't even one of those things like, it's like, all right, I'm going to see how it goes. Like, I just... 
I keep on forgetting it. And it's every freaking where too. Like I have it tucked in everywhere, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes. Cause I flirted with the idea of growing it and I'm just not completely sold. So. It's a longer season. I started it indoors. So yeah, well, I can't guarantee I'm going to update you. At least, you know, now just know it at some point I was growing celery. <laughs> That's just depressing. All right, everybody. I'm going to go drown myself in my sorrows because my best friend is hiding things from me. But, I'm so uh, sorry, best friend. <laughs> <laughs> until next time, you guys take care of the bees. Love them. Check out our links. Um, help support the podcast. Grow something good. Eat something good. Tavia, tell them something sweet. See ya. Thanks for hanging out with us today. If you want to see what we're up to or just stay up to date on all the announcements regarding the show or anything gardening, then you can follow us on Instagram at Backyard Gardens TV. We love seeing what you guys are doing. So use hashtag BYG podcast in your posts and we'll be sharing your gardens with the Backyard Gardens community. And check us out on YouTube at Backyard Gardens where we will post this show, all of our other shows, clips, and then also some gardening tips and just gardening entertainment. And you can see us at our website at BackyardGardensTV.com. But that's it for today's show. So help us as we learn to grow and grow from change. And until next time, we'll catch you guys later. We'll call this one a wrap. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in.